Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad Baruch Shem Kehud Malkuto Le'olam Va'ed Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of His kingdom forever and ever. Amen. Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. Today is Thursday, August the 4th. It is prophesied in the book of Amos that in the last days there would be a famine in the land. Not a famine for food, but a famine for the word of God, as it is written in Amos 8, 11 and 12. Behold, the days come, says the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread, nor thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. And they shall wander from sea to sea, and from the north even to the east. They shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord, and shall not find it. Even in the days of Joseph there were seven years of plenty, followed by seven years of famine. He had stored up grain for the seven years of famine. The Daily Audio Torah is your storehouse where you can get grain. It is twenty minutes every day of pure scripture flowing out, living manna to feed your spirit. Are you being blessed by this ministry? Please consider supporting Daily Audio Torah. You can make a one-time or a recurring donation by going to dailyaudiotorah.com and then click on the Give pick on the navigation menu. You can then make a secure online donation there. Thank you for your prayers, and thank you for your support. Now let's continue our journey through the entire Bible in one year. This week we are reading from the New Living Translation for the Hebrew Scriptures and for the Bret Hadashah. Today we continue the Torah portion Davarim, and it means words. Deuteronomy 2, 16-37 When all the men of fighting age had died, the Lord said to me, Today you will cross the border of Moab at Ar, and enter the land of the Ammonites, the descendants of Lot. But do not bother them or start a war with them. I have given the land of Ammon to them as their property, and I will not give you any of their land. That area was once considered the land of the Rephaites, who had lived there, though the Ammonites call them Zamzumites. They were also as strong and numerous and tall as the Anakites, but the Lord destroyed them so the Ammonites could occupy their land. He had done the same for the descendants of Esau who lived in Seir, for he destroyed the Horites, so they could settle there in their place. The descendants of Esau live there to this day. A similar thing happened when the Catharites from Crete invaded and destroyed the Avites who had lived in the villages in the area of Gaza. Moses continued, Then the Lord said, Now get moving. Cross the Arnon Gorge. Look. I will hand over to you Sihon the Amorite, king of Heshbon, and I will give you his land. 
attack him and begin to occupy the land. Beginning today, I will make people throughout the earth terrified because of you. When they hear reports about you, they will tremble with dread and fear. Moses continued, From the wilderness of Kedemoth I sent ambassadors to King Sihon of Heshbon with this proposal of peace. Let us travel through your land. We will stay on the main road and won't turn off into the fields on either side. Sell us food to eat and water to drink, and we will pay for it. All we want is permission to pass through your land. The descendants of Esau who live in Seir allowed us to go through their country, and so did the Moabites who live in Ar. Let us pass through until we cross the Jordan into the land the Lord our God is giving us. But King Sihon of Heshbon refused to allow us to pass through, because the Lord your God made Sihon stubborn and defiant so he could help you defeat him, as he has now done. Then the Lord said to me, Look! I have begun to hand King Sihon and his land over to you. Begin now to conquer and occupy his land. Then King Sihon declared war on us and mobilized his forces at Jahaz. But the Lord our God has handed him over to us, and we crushed him and his sons and all his people. We conquered all his towns and completely destroyed everyone, men, women, and children. Not a single person was spared. We took all the livestock as plunder for ourselves, along with anything of value from the towns we ransacked. The Lord our God also helped us conquer a roar on the edge of the Arnon Gorge and the town in the gorge and the whole area as far as Gilead. No town had walls too strong for us. However, we avoided the land of the Ammonites all along the Jabbok River and the towns in the hill country, all the places the Lord our God had commanded us to leave alone. Second Chronicles 35, 1-36-23 Then Josiah announced that the Passover of the Lord would be celebrated in Jerusalem, and so the Passover lamb was slaughtered on the fourteenth day of the first month. Josiah also assigned the priests to their duties and encouraged them in their work at the temple of the Lord. He issued this order to the Levites who were to teach all Israel and who had been set apart to serve the Lord. Put the holy ark in the temple that was built by Solomon, son of David, the king of Israel. You no longer need to carry it back and forth on your shoulders. Now spend your time serving the Lord your God and his people Israel. Report for duty according to the family divisions of your ancestors, following the directions of King David of Israel and the directions of his son Solomon. Then stand in the sanctuary at the place appointed for your family division and help the families assigned to you as they bring their offerings to the temple. Slaughter the Passover lambs, purify yourselves, and prepare to help those who come. Follow all the directions that the Lord gave through Moses. 
Then Josiah provided 30,000 lambs and young goats for the people's Passover offerings, along with 3,000 cattle, all from the king's own flocks and herds. The king's officials also made willing contributions to the people, priests, and Levites. Hilkiah, Zechariah, and Jehiel, the administrators of God's temple, gave the priests 2,600 lambs and young goats and 300 cattle as Passover offerings. The Levite leaders, Conaniah and his brothers Shemaiah and Nathaniel, as well as Hashabiah, Jeel, and Jozebad, gave 5,000 lambs and young goats and 500 cattle to the Levites for their Passover offerings. When everything was ready for the Passover celebration, the priests and the Levites took their places, organized by their divisions, as the king had commanded. The Levites then slaughtered the Passover lambs and presented the blood to the priests, who sprinkled the blood on the altar, while the Levites prepared the animals. They divided the burnt offerings among the people by their family groups, so they could offer them to the Lord as prescribed in the Book of Moses. They did the same with the cattle. Then they roasted the Passover lambs as prescribed, and they boiled the holy offerings in pots, kettles, and pans, and brought them out quickly so the people could eat them. Afterward, the Levites prepared Passover offerings for themselves and for the priests, the descendants of Aaron, because the priests had been busy from morning till night offering the burnt offerings and the fat portions. The Levites took responsibility for all these preparations. The musicians, descendants of Asaph, were in their assigned places following the commands that have been given by David, Asaph, Heman, and Jeduthun, the king's seer. The gatekeepers guarded the gates and did not need to leave their posts of duty, for their Passover offerings were prepared for them by their fellow Levites. The entire ceremony for the Lord's Passover was completed that day. All the burnt offerings were sacrificed on the altar of the Lord as King Josiah had commanded. All the Israelites present in Jerusalem celebrated Passover and the festival of unleavened bread for seven days. Never since the time of the prophet Samuel had there been such a Passover. None of the kings of Israel had ever kept a Passover as Josiah did, involving all the priests and Levites, all the people of Jerusalem, and people from all over Judah and Israel. This Passover was celebrated in the 18th year of Josiah's reign. After Josiah had finished restoring the temple, King Necho of Egypt led his army up from Egypt to do battle at Carchemish on the Euphrates River, and Josiah and his army marched out to fight him. But King Necho sent messengers to Josiah with this message. What do you want with me, king of Judah? I have no quarrel with you today. I am on my way to fight another nation, and God has told me to hurry. Do not interfere with God who is with me, or he will destroy you. But Josiah refused to listen to Necho, to whom God had indeed spoken, and he would not turn back. Instead, he disguised himself and led his army into battle on the plain of Megiddo. But the enemy archers hit King Josiah with their arrows and wounded them. He cried out to his men, Take me from the battle, for I am badly wounded. So they lifted Josiah out of his chariot and placed him in another chariot. Then they brought him back to Jerusalem, where he died. He was buried there in the royal cemetery. 
and all Judah and Jerusalem mourned for him. The prophet Jeremiah composed funeral songs for Josiah, and to this day, choirs still sing sad songs about his death. These songs of sorrow have become a tradition and are recorded in the Book of Laments. The rest of the events of Josiah's reign and his acts of devotion carried out according to what was written in the Law of the Lord, from beginning to end, all are recorded in the Book of the Kings of Israel and Judah. Then the people of the land took Josiah's son, Jehoahaz, and made him the next king in Jerusalem. Jehoahaz was twenty-three years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem three months. Then he was deposed by the king of Egypt, who demanded that Judah pay 7,500 pounds of silver and 75 pounds of gold as tribute. The king of Egypt then installed Eliakim, the brother of Jehoaz, as the next king of Judah and Jerusalem, and he changed Eliakim's name to Jehoiakim. Then Necho took Jehoaz to Egypt as a prisoner. Jehoiakim was twenty-five years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem eleven years. He did what was evil in the sight of the Lord his God. Then King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and captured it, and he bound Jehoiakim in bronze chains and led him away to Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar also took some of the treasures from the temple of the Lord, and he placed them in his palace in Babylon. The rest of the events in Jehoiakim's reign, including all the evil things he did and everything found against him, are recorded in the book of the kings of Israel and Judah. Then his son Jehoiakim became the next king. Jehoiakim was 18 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem three months and ten days. Jehoiakim did what was evil in the Lord's sight. In the spring of the year, King Nebuchadnezzar took Jehoiakim to Babylon. Many treasures from the temple of the Lord were also taken to Babylon at that time. And Nebuchadnezzar installed Jehoiakim's uncle, Zedekiah, as the next king in Judah and Jerusalem. Zedekiah was 21 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 11 years. But Zedekiah did what was evil in the sight of the Lord his God, and he refused to humble himself when the prophet Jeremiah spoke to him directly from the Lord. He also rebelled against King Nebuchadnezzar, even though he had taken an oath of loyalty in God's name. Zedekiah was a hard and stubborn man, refusing to turn to the Lord, the God of Israel. Likewise, all the leaders of the priests and the people became more and more unfaithful. They followed all the pagan practices of the surrounding nations, desecrating the temple of the Lord that had been consecrated in Jerusalem. The Lord, the God of their ancestors, repeatedly sent his prophets to warn them, for he had compassion on his people and his temple. But the people mocked these messengers of God and despised their words. They scoffed at the prophets until the Lord's anger could no longer be restrained and nothing could be done. So the Lord brought the king of Babylon against them. The Babylonians killed Judah's young men, even chasing after them into the temple. They had no pity on the people, killing both young men and young women, the old and the infirm. 
God handed all of them over to Nebuchadnezzar. The king took home to Babylon all the articles, large and small, used in the temple of God, and the treasures from both of the Lord's temple and from the palace of the king and his officials. Then his army burned the temple of God, tore down the walls of Jerusalem, burned all the palaces, and completely destroyed everything of value. The few who survived were taken as exiles to Babylon, and they became servants to the king and his sons, until the kingdom of Persia came to power. So the message of the Lord spoken through Jeremiah was fulfilled. The land finally enjoyed its Sabbath rest, lying desolate, until the seventy years were fulfilled, just as the prophet had said. In the first year of King Cyrus of Persia, the Lord fulfilled the prophecy he had given through Jeremiah. He stirred the heart of Cyrus to put this proclamation in writing and to send it throughout his kingdom. This is what King Cyrus of Persia says, The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth, He has appointed me to build him a temple at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Any of you who are his people may go there for this task, and may the Lord your God be with you. 1 Corinthians 1, 1 1-17 This letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ, Yeshua, and from our brothers, Sosthenes. I am writing to God's church in Corinth, to you who have been called by God to be his own holy people. He made you holy by means of Christ Yeshua, just as he did for all people everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Yeshua, their Lord and ours. May God our Father and the Lord Yeshua give you grace and peace. I always thank my God for you and for the gracious gifts he has given you, now that you belong to Yeshua. Through him, God has enriched your church in every way, with all of your eloquent words and all of your knowledge. This confirms that what I told you about Yeshua is true. Now you have every spiritual gift you need as you eagerly wait for the return of our Lord. He will keep you strong to the end so that you will be free from all blame on the day when our Lord Yeshua returns. God will do this, For he is faithful to do what he says, and he has invited you into partnership with his Son, Yeshua, our Lord. I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord Yeshua, to live in harmony with each other. Let there be no divisions in the church. Rather, be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. For some members of Chloe's household have told me about your quarrels, my dear brothers and sisters. Some of you are saying, I am a follower of Paul. Others are saying, I follow Apollos, or I follow Peter, or I follow only Yeshua. Has Yeshua been divided into factions? Was I, Paul, crucified for you? Were any of you baptized in the name of Paul? Of course not. I thank God that I did not baptize any of you except Crispus and Gaius. For now no one can say they were baptized in my name. Oh yes, I also baptized the household of Stephanus, but I don't remember baptizing anyone else. For Yeshua didn't send me to baptize, but to preach the good news, and not with clever speech, 
for fear that the cross of Yeshua would lose its power. Psalm 27, 1-6 The Lord is my light and my salvation, so why should I be afraid? The Lord is my fortress, protecting me from danger, so why should I tremble? When evil people come to devour me, when my enemies and foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though a mighty army surrounds me, my heart will not be afraid. Even if I am attacked, I will remain confident. The one thing I ask of the Lord, the one thing I seek most, is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, delighting in the Lord's perfections and meditating in His temple. For He will conceal me there when troubles come. He will hide me in His sanctuary. He will place me out of reach on a high rock. Then I will hold my head high above my enemies who surround me. At his sanctuary, I will offer sacrifices with shouts of joy, singing and praising the Lord with music. Proverbs 20, 20 and 21 If you insult your father or your mother, your light will be snuffed out in total darkness. An inheritance obtained too early in life is not a blessing in the end. I want to speak to you today from the reading that we did from 2 Chronicles chapter 36. And I want to start with verse 21. So the message of the Lord spoken through Jeremiah was fulfilled. The land finally enjoyed its Sabbath rest, lying desolate until the 70 years were fulfilled, just as the prophet had said. So let me give you a little bit of context with this verse. This is talking about when uh, the southern kingdom, Judah, the Jews, were sent into exile to Babylon, and they were in exile for 70 years. And it was prophesied that this would happen, and they failed to keep the Sabbath um, every the seventh year, in a seven-year period in the seventh year, that the land was to lie fallow, and they were not to farm it. and the Israelites, the children of Israel, were not following that protocol. And so they were sent, one of the reasons, one of many reasons why they were sent into exile by the hand of God was because he wanted that land to have its Sabbath rest. And so now the 70 years are completed. And it's like a prophecy time clock that's been ticking away. And now it's time for the children of Israel to return to the land. So God orchestrates through circumstances. He orders circumstances. Nothing happens by chance or accident, but he's orchestrating circumstances. So now let's just read verses 22 and 23. In the first year of King Cyrus of Persia, the Lord fulfilled the prophecy he had given through Jeremiah. He stirred the heart of Cyrus to put this proclamation in writing and to send it throughout his kingdom. This is what King Cyrus of Persia says, The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth. He has appointed me to build him a temple at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Any of you who are his people may go there for this task, and may the Lord your God be with you. So basically, King Cyrus, moved by the hand of God, 
says to the Jews who are living in exile in Babylon, you can return home and you can go build your temple. And and this was a wonderful thing. They were set free from their exile. So now I want to connect that to a very important Torah principle. And that Torah principle is this. Biblical history is prophecy. Now, what does that really mean? The events that happened to our forefathers literally happened in history, but they are a prophetic blueprint for the final end of days generation. And the events that happened to them will happen to us. This is uh, something that the sages teach. Uh, it's very much a deep Torah principle. Now, it's a kind of a abstract principle. How do we make this more concrete, more nuts and bolts? Well, the Lord gave me a picture some time ago about that that I'd like to share with you. And it ties into this King Cyrus prophecy that we are reading about. And here's the picture. If you were going to experience Shakespeare, one of his plays, such as Romeo and Juliet, I could hand you the written copy of the book, Romeo and Juliet, and you could read it. And that would be one level of an experience. And then I could say, I have tickets to this play. And we can go watch it in an Elizabethan outdoor theater with stadium seating and watch the play. And that would be another level of experience. And then the director of the play could walk up to you and say, hey, I have a part for you to play in this play. I want you to play Romeo or I want you to play Juliet. And then you would come down to the stage and start learning your lines because you have a role to play. So. Now that brings me to this idea that God, the God of Israel, has a grand play, and there are actors in this play, and there is a script, and Yeshua is the director of the play. And so some of the actors include Adam and Eve, Joseph, Jacob, Moses, Isaac, And we have King Cyrus, and he had a role to play. He had a script. Now, over time, the actors change, but the script remains the same. So the very first time the script was played out was by King Cyrus, and he played out the role that God had for him. Now, many people, including prominent Jewish leaders, have compared President Trump to King Cyrus. Why is that? Because when he was president, he declared and agreed with the Jewish people that Jerusalem is the eternal capital of the nation of Israel. And he also moved the embassy, the U.S. embassy, from Tel Aviv back to Jerusalem. He didn't just talk about it. He did it. He got it done. And so because of that, many of the Jewish leaders have compared him to King Cyrus. So is it possible that perhaps Trump had a role to play, a script that was given to him, that he played out that was similar to the script that King Cyrus played? Perhaps so. Others have compared Hillary Clinton and her husband as a modern-day Ahab and Jezebel. Bill Clinton being the Ahab and Hillary being 
the Jezebel. Have they played out that script? Was that role given to them? It's quite possible. So the question to think about then is, Father, to pray and to inquire of him and to seek him and ask him, Lord, what script have you given to me? What role is it that you would have me to be playing out? Are you living out a Joseph script? Perhaps a Saul of Tarsus script? Perhaps an Abraham script? Now, will the script be the same throughout your entire life? I don't think so. I think that a script may be given to each person for a season, and when you've accomplished the assignment or the task that is involved, with that script, then I believe that God will give you a new role, a new script. So um, this is how it can be that biblical history is prophecy, because there's a grand play, Yeshua is the director, and there are actors on the stage, and the script remains the same, but the actors over time, over long periods of time, the actors change. So what is the script? What is the role that God would have you to be playing out in your life? Inquire, ask, seek, and see what he reveals to you. Have a blessed day, and we'll see you tomorrow. Shalom. Vish Mareka Yaya Adonai Anavilaka Vikuneka Yisa Adonai the ironic blessing from Numbers chapter 6, 24 to 26. Adonai bless you and keep you. Adonai make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Adonai lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.